Um, fam, before we get to the show, our attorney has asked us to make the point that we are not in any way affiliated with what's the production company, girl? It's Cosgrove Muir Productions. And you guys, go watch the episodes. I know I don't have to tell you this. If we just sat here for an hour and said, go watch the episodes, I'd be happy with that. That's basically what we're doing, essentially, <laughs> right? We're just using different words, but that's the vibe. <laughs> anyway, now to the show. Girl, episode six, Unsolved Mysteries. Girl, we are we're at the end of like the original drop of this volume one. They call it volume. I They're know, so fancy. They better make Unsolved Mysteries forever. They better make a million seasons of this. You guys, please just please. go turn on your TVs and let it run. I wish there was a way that you could just loop Netflix. Uh, yes, like you could totally. on like Spotify or totally. just like don't even ask me if I'm still watching Netflix. I'm always still watching. Don't worry about it. And just just to bypass the, are you still watching Unsolved Mysteries or would you like to start from the top? Yes, I would. Thank Yes, I would. Thank you very much. Thank you. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. Over 150 full bonus episodes to download a bitch right this second. That's where we do all of the series you want us to do from Netflix, Hulu, Oxygen, ID. They're all there. How's it going? I thought this would be exhausting, but like every time we sit down to record it, I'm basically like, I'm levitating off my chair. I have to tell you, I agree. And I know we just did the UFO app. So <laughs> yes, the levitating yes. thing, I understand. <laughs> but I had like a bit of a week in the bad fucking sense of the term. I was uh-huh. like really upset this week and I have to tell you I am like I like my face is flushed. I'm talking so fast that I'm yeah. like giving like doing verbal typos where I'm like oh, I'm just so excited to be talking about something other than than the the royal this. So I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so happy to be here with you of all people. So of all people, of all you people. guys we love unsolved mysteries so much. Oh, all right, girl. Unsolved mysteries episode six. Well, I mean, what are we talking about today? So it's called Missing Witness, and this yeah. story is bonkers. And usually, I, I love how the unsolved mysteries kind of keeps us on our toes with like how long the intro before the opening credits is going to be. Sometimes it's a couple minutes and we really get a sense of what we're getting into. Sometimes it's like this where we meet Brandy Peterson and she tells us Obviously I would have known what my mom was capable of doing. If I had known what my mom was capable of doing and I'm like What? And like that's all we know and then we're just like thrown into the fire like okay unsolved. All right, girl. I gotta say too that like Brandy is our main she's one of our two main narrators here it's about her missing sister Lena and the two sisters that are gonna tell us the story are Brandy and Robin and Brandy's the kind of girl that you wanna go to a bar with for 10 days and get all the stories and she's the one who she knows the bartender from high school she'll make sure the bartender keeps it open for all 10 days totally Brandy has it covered don't worry about it and also don't fuck with her I don't, you don't fuck with Brandy. Brandy, like I kind of like want to know her in real life. Totally. Brandy, let's go to the bar for 10 days. I like <laughs> So we get we get the opening credits and then we get this on-screen text that says the following accounts are based on court records and law enforcement documents. And I'm like, and also the family members who were there. <laughs> right. It's weird when you get like a legal disclaimer like that. Cause I feel like we didn't even get that for episode one where we know Porter, hey Porter, hey girl, thanks for listening, girl. Thanks for thanks for subscribing. Lady paid on the $5 level. Um, but it's so funny you say that because in my notes I have, I feel like this is the first time we've seen
seen this in Unsolved? Like in all six episodes so far, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've seen this sort of disclaimer? Because you guys, we're going to find out. When we were like 10 minutes away from the end and I realized what wasn't happening. I know, I know. I couldn't believe it. I know. Oh, okay, let's go. Ugh. We start in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri. We learn that Lena, Robin and Brandy's sister, went missing in 2006. She was living in an apartment with her boyfriend, Jason, and it's Valentine's Day. And Robin, Lena's sister, says like she showed up at Lena and Jason's apartment and Jason just kind of casually says like oh no girl Lena's not here she ran off to Florida with another boyfriend and he's like well that's what your mom said that's what Sandy said happened she said she ran off with a, some guy to Florida it just seemed crazy she didn't take any of her clothes Lena didn't take any of her photo albums and she had a lot of pictures that was her thing she'd take pictures of everything and she would not have left her son Coulter to which I just said, like, Jason seems really casual about this whole situation. Well, it's Robin very calmly telling the story. I feel like yeah. Jason was not casual about it at all. Because in my in Robin's telling, it makes it sound like Jason was eating a bowl of macaroni and cheese and just filling in his friend. With a full mouth. Oh, she'll have to lie. <laughs> totally. Like that. Yeah. And just like filling Robin in on like the news of the day. No, I think he was like angry and confused. And Robin is just like keeping her cool because there's a lot. This is just the beginning. This, right. There's like a lot to get you through. You guys, gird your loins as they say in that movie. I guess. That movie, what do we don't We can't talk about Devil was Prada anymore? Deep Prod? No, we totally can't. Although I will say our friend Mike recently watched the movie and said it's problematic. Oh, it is. If you haven't seen it in 10 years, like all of a sudden it's problematic. Oh, when like Stanley Tucci like, yeah, shut up, six. And I'm like, a size right. six? Like, how dare you? It, it's problematic on a hundred zillion levels. Emily Blunt is perfect in it and so is Meryl Streep. Like, I'm like perfect. Whatever. But this is, I hear this thing and I'm like, I get like, you guys, the story never works about like right. someone picked up and left but left all of their belongings and their like prized possessions. Including their child? Yeah, their child, their clothes, their photo albums. Like, this is Drew Peterson all over again, where he was like, she left in her bikini and the deed of the house, and I never saw her again. Right. That's just not true. It's just not true. And it's not true here either. She didn't just leave to go to no. Florida with some guy. Like, isn't that clear? Like, she just <laughs> left everything. I know. And the other thing is that, like, Jason's like, look, that's what your mom said. She ran off to Florida with some guy. Like, this never makes sense. It never, ever does. No. Ugh. And so Robin just says, she's like, I knew something was wrong. I knew my mom had done something. So now we meet Rick, who's uh, from the sheriff's office. And yeah. he is all of us where he's like, you know, call me crazy. None of this seems right. right. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and so Rick reaches out to Brandy, our best friend. And Brandy has a theory. Brandy tells us all about their childhood. We are poor all our lives. We really had to struggle. And mom was always the one that worked. She never let us go without food. Our whole childhood, you know, she's like, we got to stick together and we'll get through it. My mom was a good mom growing up. While they're telling us this, we're seeing all these pictures and the kids are smiling like ear to ear smiles. Like yeah. they really look like happy kids. Yeah. And Brandy says, you know, look, my mom was super straight laced, like no booze, no drinking. She was really present. She worked all the jobs she needed to. And, you know, Brandy says that's the mom I remember. And I miss that mom so much. But what can you do? But what can you do? Ooh. These people are just exactly who they're not hiding anything. They're very exactly. honest about this story and their their upbringing. 
So Brandy tells us they were there were six kids. Brandy was the oldest. Lena was the second oldest. And we learned that like Lena was the bossy, mouthy one, but like everybody liked her. Yeah. And so like Robin's like right in the middle and their mom is named Sandy. Yeah. Brandy tells a story about how, like, you know, being the oldest and Lena being the second oldest, they would literally fist fight all the time. Man, we fought so much as grown up. My mom would be like, take it outside. But we'd never touch each other's face. That was the rule. <laughs> we never hit each other in the face. This is not my experience at all as an only child in any sense. I mean, I'm one of four. This is also not my experience. Did you beat each other up? No. I mean, if we were fist fighting, my mother would have pulled us off each other, not thrown us into the backyard. Yeah, it's a little like clue into like, okay, so this is how Sandy, like Sandy was very focused. Like like Brandy says, never never let them go hungry, which is great. But she was always like, I have no time for your bullshit. Take it outside and and nothing on the face. And I'm like, what the? And nothing on the face. I feel like she also was like taking bets on like which one would win. She always took Lena. Totally. And Brandy, no no shade, girl. I'm sure you're listening. I probably also would have taken Lena. I would have been like, we need to stop this. (laughs) I would have been the one screaming like, no, don't let these little kids fight each other outside. Me and the mom are like having wine coolers on the porch. And I'm yelling. I'm the Steve, like shutting the shit down. Absolutely not. Throwing buckets of cold water on the girls fighting in the backyard. Or just like using my words. I'm like, just... (laughs) Mm, stop and so like Sandy's fucking garbage I hate her and so Brandy is saying like look it was a hard upbringing and they moved around a lot and Uh. most mostly because Sandy would jump from relationship to relationship and this is not you know we don't we don't shame anybody on this show but but Sandy did this with a purpose she was very manipulative here and this is the thing that just scares me because we're gonna learn the men that were primarily in these kids lives were really good guys yeah. but that is just the luck of the fucking draw yeah. you know all I could think about was like six vulnerable young girls and the mm-hmm. trash that their mother is probably dating turns out no like the guys were actually good guys so she'd meet like one guy move in with him and then at around the two year mark she'd get bored or whatever and then she'd sneak around for a while and then she'd like then the girls would move in to the new house of the guy that she was cheating with and then like in two years they'd do it all over again yeah Brandy says she used her sex appeal a lot and that's a lot of the reason why men gravitate towards her and she never did stay with one in particular man for more than two years And she always went after the married ones or the ones that had brothers. And I'm like, wait, what? Like record scratch. Wait, what? So we meet Albert McCullough. And, you know, he's here for an interview and he said that he'd been divorced and single for a while. He and Sandy, they met, they went on a date or two, and that's basically when they decided to get married. Right. I was like, he doesn't want to tell us much, does he? (laughs) He doesn't really feel like opening up. This story does not end happily for Albert. It's a nightmare. It's a true nightmare. But he also says, like, we went on a date or two and uh, that's how we got equated. And I'm like, yeah, that's how people get acquainted. (laughs) Good talker. She really was. She was very good. Uh, 
of telling people what they want to hear and what not. Brandy tells us that Albert was like a really great stepfather. And I'm I'm so glad because remember whatever episode it was with Pistol and the stepfather oh, was such yeah. a bastard, like just yeah, such yeah, a yeah. dick like to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Albert wasn't like that. Like, you know, Brandy says mom was going to school to be a nurse. She was never home. And so Albert raised us, which by the way is like, this guy just took on this woman's six kids and just like jumped in and got his hands dirty. Albert was more of the... More of the fun, laid-back type. He put us in gymnastics and aerobics, and, like, we got to play sports. And I do remember going to the river and stuff with Albert and doing fun things like that. Just for some numbers here, Brandy's the oldest. Yeah. Brandy was 10 when Sandy married Albert. Right. So there's six of them. And yeah. so Sandy was out doing whatever she was doing. And Albert, she was like, Albert was fun. Like, because that, that was my thing, too. I'm like, where is this going with all the young kids? And I like, know, they, I like know. the moms like, like jumping around from husband to husband. But they were like, no, no, no. Like almost talking directly to us. Like, no, 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 don't worry. He was great. He took us all the things. But then Sandy gets to fooling around. And at first he didn't know who she was fooling around with. And then it ended up being his own brother, Gary. She's stepping out with the brother. And so Albert tells us that he and his brother Gary had a little fist fight. He beat the tar out of me. I beat the tar out of him. At one point, Gary had Albert pinned and then Sandy walked up behind him and hit him with a stick. Right. So they have this little fist fight down by the ridge. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm sorry. I know I'm a city hick. I know I, I live know. in a bubble. But down by the ridge. And Sandy like broke it up by hitting them both with with a stick. You know that she loved those fucking guys wrestling, fight, beating each other up over her. I think that's why she went for the married guys or the brothers. She totally. wants the drama. Totally. She doesn't want stability for her girls. If she no. wanted stability for her girls, she wouldn't go for the married guys and the brothers. Like, And every two years, like this past like it just doesn't work so albert to his credit is like i'm out all right i am out of here but i finally talked to gary and i told him i said man i'm i'm done i said that girl ain't nothing but trouble you better leave it alone and those poor kids like those poor kids really liked him i know and in my mind it's like in the middle of the fight like sandy hit both of them with a stick and he's like <laughs> he's like out of breath by the ridge and he's like i'm out i call it and he turns back and he's like gary girl just so you know she's in nothing but trouble it is yep. not worth it but then it turns out that gary is also a pretty good dude to the kids yeah and so like you know robin is telling us that their lives completely changed they go move in with gary and he like made them do chores but like they didn't mind it you know and they were learning how to like work on the farm brandy says it was tough like we worked hard but from that i gained independence i don't rely on a man for anything and she really values what she learned from gary and like we get the story that Gary would make them do chores and then would take them all into town and like go get everybody ice cream. And at first I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm just so like, oh God, what did Gary do to them? Because it's like, because they're like, our lives changed. We moved to Arkansas and we worked. Like we worked the farm. We were cutting wood. We worked yeah. with the animals. I was like, and then, oh God, and then what? Covering my eyes and then what did we do? And they're like, and actually pretty great. I'm super disciplined now. I have all this responsibility. And I'm like, oh. Where are Gary and Albert's parents? Can we give them a slow standing ovation? They raised some good boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although Gary, though, <laughs> she was married yeah. to your brother, Gary. Let's not give Gary all the accolades. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm glad he. I mean, he was. Yeah. I'm glad he was nice to the kids. But he, <laughs> how about he's nice to his brother? Am I wrong? Is that? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Not, not a hashtag. Not a sibling. Right. But 
Come on, girl. <laughs> girl, Vista Print is back. Look, it's the holiday season. That is my favorite time for Vista Print to be a sponsor because I love to make personalized holiday cards and we make a calendar every year with all of like the pictures from throughout the year with like that's what we use for people's birthdays or that's what we use for like the 4th of July or whatever. That's so sweet. <laughs> that is unregiftable if I've ever heard it. You can't regift that. That is personalized. It is the mommiest that I get. That is like the mom and me coming right out in all of her colors. Embrace it. And good thing Vista Print is here to help you do that. As I'm saying, Vista Print specializes in unregiftable gifts. Gifts so unique and personal that you wouldn't dream of passing them on. One-off gifts like custom mugs, yes, canvas prints, yes, photo books and wall calendars. Yeah, so these are the kind of thoughtful gifts you really can't wait to give because they spark all the surprise and joy. It's just like, oh, oh wow, a calendar filled with all of these amazing pictures? Yeah, I'll take it, putting it on my wall for years to come. Yes, please. I'm not going to know what day it is because it's going to be up there, <laughs> but I'm going to keep it through 2022. You guys, at Vistaprint, you can also create your own personalized holiday cards like I did, adding your photo and messages and adding special finishing touches like embossed foil and scalloped edges. Scalloped edges. Loving that look. <laughs> so yeah, so rather than giving an unoriginal gift this holiday season, you can make it unregiftable with a custom gift from Vistaprint. You guys go to vistaprint.com slash TCO to get started on your unregiftable gift. The holidays are coming up, so don't miss your chance to get an unregiftable gift. Get started today at vistaprint.com slash TCO. Vistaprint, I have missed you, girl. I know. It's been a long time. She came home for the holidays. I, I love know. that. <laughs> So we meet Andrew Sheely. He's a reporter for the Salem News. And he's the one who's like, while she's married to Gary, she meets this guy, Chris Klemp. And Andrew Sheely wants us to know that he's like the younger, better looking version of Gary. (laughs) Some would say more handsome. And I'm like, Patrick, (laughs) our resident, what do you you say? You know what? I'm I'm not even going to take an opinion because this Chris Klemp guy is such fucking garbage. He's garbage. So in March, when Robin, the daughter, meets Chris and her mom is still married to Gary, she goes, I met... My mom's boyfriend, Chris. And I'm thinking, oh, Gary's going to whip his little butt, you know? (laughs) Gary's going to whip his little butt. (laughs) And she goes, Chris was a little twig. Gary was the whole tree. (laughs) I honestly thought she was going to say Chris was the little twink. I really was expecting some gay terminology. Yeah. No, girl. It's the Ozarks. (laughs) Mm -mm. Not getting it there. So we get the we get this timeline, right? Where it's like December 21st, 1996, which happens to be my birthday. It's not about me. It doesn't matter. But Sandy <laughs> marries Gary, right? Which is <laughs> Albert's brother. I'm sorry. It's just, it's right out of Chicago. I know. It's just, it's, it's just, it's right out of Chicago. And then in March, 1999, she starts messing around with not Ike, <laughs> but sleeping with Chris Clint. With Chris, yes. So then we meet Richard Anderson, who is Gary's friend and also attorney. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, it wasn't until I, like, I started running a small business that I needed to engage an attorney. I don't understand how, like, a guy like Gary doesn't strike me like the kind of guy who has an attorney. I think what happened was Richard was Gary's friend for a long time, and he also happens to be an attorney. And then (laughs) he became an attorney because soon after this affair starts with Sandy and Chris Klemp, Gary gets arrested out of the clear blue sky for passing bad checks all over town. (laughs) This poor guy! But it wasn't him. It was 
Sandy. Sandy yeah. is passing, hit, like forging his checks. I don't even, they don't even get into how, because we have so much other garbage, horrible, like nightmare inducing shit to get to. So the bad checks are nothing, but like, this is what, this is like our introduction to Richard, the friend, the bearded yes. friend slash lawyer. And I'm like, Gary, did you not see this coming? Your brother told you, your brother told you when you guys were like catching your breath in the mud after being hit with a stick by Sandy that she was trouble. And then you're like, oh, here's that two, what is it? Two, yeah, just two years. TikTok. Like here she is passing bad checks all over town and sleeping with somebody else. Somewhere Albert is eating the popcorn like, girl, hate to say I told you so. And he had figured out that Sandy had passed those checks and he was very upset about that. He said, I'm going to have to file for a divorce. And then next thing I knew of was that Gary went missing. So Gary files for divorce and then dot, 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 he goes missing. Yeah. And so everyone is saying like, so Gary didn't show up for work for two days and he can't afford that. And he's a super hard worker. Like we knew something was wrong. And one of his friends, the straight Ozarkian equivalent of me, goes immediately to like, and he's definitely dead. Immediately to to everybody that knew him, we, we wasn't looking for Gary being gone somewhere. We were looking for for Gary's body. So Gary disappears on May 11th. On May 13th, the police are notified. We meet investigator Brian Martin, and he tells us he goes to Gary's house, and he realizes that one of the cows had gotten out of, like, the cow cage. Then he says, we were in the process of putting up the cow. I don't know what that means. It feels to me like it means returning it to the pen or the cage or whatever. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's a pet. That's the word. I was like, what is the word where it's just those things? And I'm like, it's not a shelf. We are such city hicks. So as they're putting up the cow Sandy and Lena show up and they're like girl what are you doing with our cow and then girl the the closed captions were still on and the closed captions just say cow mooing (laughs) when Sandy McCullough and her daughter Lena pulled up wanting to know what we were doing and I asked her if there was anything that I needed to know about that might be happening in her life She said, well, yeah, I've been meaning to call you. Um, My husband has gone off and he's not been home for two days. Brian's like, hey, girl, is anything up? Like, what's new? (laughs) And Sandy's like, oh, that's right. I've been meaning to call you. I have not seen my husband in two days. I've just been so busy. But that's, I did, it's so, I'm so glad you're here. It's just like, oh my God, like the universe. But my husband's been missing for two days. Totally forgot to call you. And she tells him that he went down to Diamond, Missouri to buy fighting roosters. Which, which, which I, guess what? Oh, she's back! She's back for the fighting roosters. <laughs> Fuck that. It, I, if there, here's the thing: fighting roosters. Is that like a real, or is that like a breed? But or or is it really like it's ha- it's what they call cockfighting, girl? Yeah. It's like it's it's oh. animal abuse. It's terrible. It's, I know that is a whole different kind of movie. I know you do, girl. <laughs> I know. And I I did the air quotes, but you can see it over the FaceTime. But it's it's animal abuse. And th- again, this is Sandy telling us this, yeah. right? I don't think that Gary was the type of guy to do rooster fighting. Like, I think he was a good stand-up guy. I think this is partly Sandy being like, not only did I kill him, but he's also a bad guy. Right, right, right. Because right, he has right. animals, like, fight and try to kill each other. And I think she just threw that out there so they'd be like, ah, who needs him? Which is what I would say as the cop. 
<laughs> she like begrudgingly fills out the missing person's paperwork. She's annoyed by it. Yeah. So the following week, investigator Brian comes back to Gary's house where Sandy's living with her six children with a search warrant. And he tells us that Sandy was super pissed about it. But they, he's like, we spent a good long time there, girl. He says we made some, quote, startling discoveries. <laughs> I don't believe we found any clothes that belonged to Gary McCullough in that house. I don't think we found anything that would indicate Gary was even ever living there or was planning to come back. They find a checkbook for that bastard Christopher Klemp, and they learn that after two days of investigating, Christopher moves into Gary's house. Right. And so that's when, like, this all gets tied together. Now Chris Klemp is, like, a big development for the cops at at this moment. And also, like, you don't have your boyfriend move in if you're expecting your husband to ever come home. You know what I mean? Like, these people are just not smart people. I I mean, they did did get away with murder, (laughs) but, like, they're just, these are not smart moves. To be like, oh, like the cops are sniffing around. Yeah. Why don't you move in? I know. But at the same time, it's like your checkbook is already there. So like, what? I mean, right? Who has a fucking checkbook? But then they ask her, they're like, hey, girl, just like for future reference, just to like for our records, uh, would you ever be willing to take a polygraph? And her answer is baffling. She looks me straight in the eye and says, you find a body and I'll take a polygraph. Call her in right now. Remember when she was like the sweet mom saying to her six girls, we just have to stick this out and stay together and we'll all be fine? No, I remember. Take it outside and don't hit the face. That's what I remember. I don't remember her being a great mom. I lost that in my notes. I must have deleted that. They're 10-year-old kids. The the oldest was 10. She had six of them. There was like someone who needed to be held in somebody's arms. So the detective tells us that they wanted to interview the kids and they bring in Lena. The detective says she was very hostile. Yeah, she's like 13 or 14 at the time. And I'm like, girl, all 13, 14 year old girls are hostile AF. He says that she was very protective of her mother. She was very antagonistic towards the cops. And I wrote, I can 100% imagine this interview. I can see it. 100%. Because you know? we see so many photos of these girls yeah, too. Totally. Like when they were girls, I mean. Totally. This is Lena who can knock her sister out with one hand without touching the face. And she's like the second oldest. And like what she said goes. I and know. like it's just, it's, and the mom like, perpetuated this it's all very convoluted and yeah, weird. yeah but so even even the cops are like it was just very obvious that mom ruled the house and lena was the number two person lena was her number two like we're in the mob again she's her fucking deputy you guys her consigliere who needs a number two in the house i thought you were all a family working together just trying to stay alive who I needs don't... like a second in command what are you doing and so it was may 11th 1999 that's the day that gary went missing and brandy tells us they all get home from school the mom meets them at the front door and makes up this lie about a cat having like kittens in a field and go find them. Because this is not suspicious at all. She's basically like, go look for him and take a super long time and just don't come in the house. Whatever you do, don't come in the house. And the kids are like, okay. All the kids but Brandy go because Brandy's like, no mom, I have chores. Every one of my sisters went except me. I had to milk cows. After a minute passed by, I was sitting on the porch. I'm like, mom, I've got to get inside the house. I've got to, I gotta get my supplies to milk cows. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I'm going in. Brandy just like lets herself into the yeah. house and she finds Sandy on her hands and knees cleaning up a fucking murder scene. She was scrubbing the floor with what appeared to be bleach water. She had shorts on and her hair back and a ponytail. She never wore her hair in a ponytail. It was strange. Brandy's like, it was strange. And I'm like, yeah, Brandy, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds 
Not great. Yeah, there are no kittens in the field miles and miles away. No. So Sandy then tells Lena, like her enforcer, her goon, 13-year-old Lena, to make sure that all five of her siblings stay in one room and don't come out. And Robin says so casually, yeah, Lena just like slept in front of the door so we couldn't come out. And I am like, this is so fucked up to put on your kids. And Lena, like a 13-year-old, like goon enforcer for the mother, was to sleep on on a hardwood floor outside a a bedroom door so that her other five siblings don't know that her mom murdered their step. Like, what is happening? And Robin tells us, she's like, "I, I was young, but I knew this was fucked up. Robin looks out the window and sees the mom and the boyfriend taking Gary's body out of the house, wrapped in a carpet, and putting him in the truck. It was Gary, no doubt, but, you know, he was wrapped up in something. You could see the boots that he had had on, but it scared me bad. I didn't even talk about it until I got much older and I was able to talk to Detective uh, Epperly and Martin about it. The fact that Robin is sitting here today as put together as she is, is like this such is a I'm testament saying. to the human spirit. And also these idiots forgot about the fucking window in the room. So they have Lena, poor Lena sleeping on the, like brainwashed, totally. like Lena sleeping on the floor. And meanwhile, there's a window with no shades on it. And it's just like, as far, like with like, like everything's highlighted in like the light of the moon and they can see everything perfectly. Sandy, pull the fucking car around the back, you idiot. Why is Asshole. everyone so bad at this? Fuck you, Sandy. I know. <laughs> Lena's whole MO with all of this is like you can't go to the cops and tell them anything because if you do they will separate us and put us all in different foster homes and I will tell you what that is exactly what would have happened exactly and and like Sandy is telling Lena this and Lena is telling her sisters yes Yes. 100% and it's like what's better like what would have been better for them like well it would be better for their mother not to murder Gary right (laughs) travel We have a new sponsor this week. It is this super fancy, unbelievably delicious hot sauce. It's called Truff. Tell us everything. Well, it's called Truff because it's infused with truffles. Which is so delicious. And so luxurious, let me tell you. So it's T-R-U-F-F. It's luxury hot sauce. It comes in a package that's so nice and fancy. Totally. You're like, this is absolutely not hot sauce. Let me tell you, it is. This was on Oprah's favorite things two years in a row. That's like unheard of. Give me all the sauces. I love sauces. I know, Even I know. when you're like, this meal doesn't call for a sauce. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it most certainly does. And that's where Truff comes in. Wait, tell them about the variety pack. You guys, you can get all of their fancy famous sauces in one place. So it's the Truff flagship hot sauce, which is flavor packed with black truffle. That's the one that's started it all. That's the original. I had that on my mac and cheese today. My gluten-free mac and cheese with the truff sauce. Nice. I could have eaten 10 bowls of it. And then there's the hotter hot sauce which is all about those jalapenos which is if you really want the spicy stuff that's for Mike. Yes. And so then they have white (laughs) truff which is white truffles. And I love truffles and I love truffles on pizza so now you can put like hot sauce on your pizza now. And you guys I'm telling you this really does make a great gift. Like the packaging shouldn't be important but in this case it totally is. It's so beautiful. Didn't you say Mike thought it was like a fancy makeup Yeah, Mike was like, here's a makeup sponsor. And I was like, no, sweetheart. This is our new hot sauce that we're using until the end of time. And he was like, oh, okay. Grab that jalapeno sauce right out of my hands. You guys, see for yourself why Truff is the biggest hot sauce on Instagram and TikTok. So get 10% off site-wide when you use promo code TCO at Truff.com. That's 10% off everything, including white Truff VIP box and Truff variety packs just in time for the holidays. Just shop at Truff.com. That's 
T-R-U-F-F, F as in fantastic, dot com, and use promo code TCO. F as in fat girl, can I please have the hot sauce? F as in forget everything you thought you knew about hot sauce. I knew you'd bring it home, GP. (laughs) Well, and this is where it all goes really bad. Like Robin says, you know, Gary went missing in May. We all moved to St. Louis. They lived in St. Louis for a year. They get married. Mm -hmm. And then in the year 2000, they moved to Sligo, wherever that is. And so so this is when like we learn about like what's been happening to Lena. Because Lena like knew more than any of the other siblings. That's very, very clear. She was like the watchdog and all this stuff. And she's a teenager, you know, and she has this boyfriend. She confides in the boyfriend and the boyfriend, this like hero boyfriend convinces her that like, hey, Gary's family probably really wants to know what happened to her, happened to him. You should go tell somebody. So Lena agrees to tell Albert. Remember, Albert was like the first good stepdad and Gary's brother. Right. So you guys, we hear this from Albert. Gary went missing on May 11th, 1999. Lena goes to Albert's house on June 26, 2003. And Albert has a brand new tape recorder. And yeah. like, hero Albert thinks to record this. Like, And Lena gives the confession about exactly what happened to Gary. And she knows this because she was 13 and she was fucking there for it. Who killed Gary? Well... This is not a reenactment, everybody. Yeah. We get the on-screen text. This is the actual recording that Albert took with Lena when she's 17 talking about what happened when she was 13. Which is kind of amazing to hear Lena's voice. It's the only time we hear Lena at all in this. And it's very hard to hear, so we'll uh, walk you through it. Albert says, who killed Gary? And Lena says, Mom. Yeah, he was eating scrambled eggs and mom just walked out of the kitchen and shot him two or three times in the head. When Chris got home, they wrapped him up in plastic and dragged him into the bedroom. And then after the kids got home and Lena saw what was going on, the mother, this garbage piece of shit mother, makes Mm -hmm. Lena guard the dead body in the bedroom while she deals with the other kids. 13-year-old Lena is alone in a room with a dead body that has been shot in the head two or three times. And the mother locked her in. Yeah. Her mother locked her in that room. She's a piece of shit, yes. this woman. Yes. She's a total piece of shit. So then, like, they put him in the truck, like we saw from the window with all the girls yeah. in the middle of the night yes. and left. And so Albert is with us and he's like, I believe Lena 100%. She was telling me the truth. At young age like that, she wanted me to know. She wanted to just get it off of her mind. I mean, that girl... She sat there and talked to me that night. She was trembling, just shaking. This is four years of a 13-year-old who's now 17 living with this. And she wants to get it off her chest. She trusts this person. And Albert's like, awesome. How do we prove this? I need something to verify Gary is gone. How would the person go about doing that? I mean, is there any way that we could do that? And then this is fucking bananas. Lena tells us that that mom and Chris burned the body in front of Lena. Lena is there for this. They burn the body and there's nothing left. It's just bone and ash, which they made Lena collect. She's like, I burned my fingers. Picking up, you guys, like the visual of that. Picking up, like she's so loyal to her. She's 13. I know. And her garbage, her garbage 
fucking mother. Oh. Oh. They pick up all the remains of the of the body and they just disperse it around. Like they get in the truck and they're just throwing it out the window. And her point is like it's gone. The body is gone. There's no remains. You'll never find it. I don't even remember where it was. I'm the only person who was there. I'm the only person who knows what happened. Right, like Lena's account is the only evidence they have. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Like this tape is the only evidence they they truly have. And so Albert and his friend slash lawyer are like, cool. So they give the recording to the sheriff and his name is Mick. Yeah. And Mick is like, cool. This is basically a confession. Right. Essentially, right? Yeah. But the next day, right on time, and they're like, I don't know how the fuck this happened. But the day after they get the tape of Lena confessing all of this, Sandy lawyers up. A lawyer that was hired by Sandy convinces Lena to walk her confession back. And so what does the confession really mean? I mean, you've got it taped, but if the subject themselves is walking it back, ultimately it's just another claim it's a he said, she said situation. Now that like she's recanted the statement, they really have no evidence. And the detective says to us, he's like, this is the kind of case that makes you crazy because we know who did it. We know where they did right. it. We know how they did it, but we can't prove it. And one day Brandy is with Lena, Brandy, the oldest sister. And they're just like hanging out. And Lena just lets it all out. She sings like a goddamn canary to Brandy. Yeah. And she tells Brandy the entire story, the same exact thing, almost word for word, what she told Albert. The eggs, the gunshots, the plastic, the burning, all of it. And it takes Brandy like no time at all. <laughs> no time. <laughs> to because turn that shit around on her mother. Brandy's like, the next day, me and my stupid mom get in a major fight. And I'm like, doesn't take much to get in a fight with Sandy, who's the worst. The worst. So she's like, I was so mad. I was calling her names. And suddenly I was like, you know what? I'm going to call the police and tell them what you did. I know what you did. And it's like about dishes in the sink or right. some like pick up your shoes or make right. your or whatever. Totally. And Brandy's like, fuck it. Like, no, I know what you did. Brandy's going to burn this fucking house down. And it's like, to me, it's like very loud. And Brandy's like super emotional. And then in response, say, this is terrifying. I know. Sandy just looks at Brandy very quietly and goes, get in the truck. And I'm like, Brandy, I know. <laughs> why does she do it why does she get the truck because their mother is a fucking mafia boss yeah, their mother yeah, is a nightmare yeah. a controlling like just horrible and murderer right. like she's she's like not she's unhinged and so brandy is like forced into the back of this truck it's super dark by the way it's the middle of the night oh i don't know if we talked about that and it's the mom and the boyfriend chris right and so brandy is in like the bed of the truck yeah. like, so it's one of those it's like two seats in the front and then like the bed of the truck where brandy can be like out in the world yeah 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 yeah, yeah. right it's like the it's like the place where you put a couch when you're moving. <laughs> exactly that. It was the middle of the night. It was really dark. All of a sudden we stop in the middle of the road and Chris gets out. I look over to my right hand side and there's a gun facing at my head. It was the scariest moment I've ever had in my life. There's a barrel of a shotgun pointed at her face. And Brandy is like telling us the story. She's reliving it. She's shaking yeah. oh, and she's crying. Totally. Like, I think Brandy knows in this moment, if they decide to kill her, no one will ever find the body. And so Brandy is like in the middle of the night, the shotgun in her face. She panics. Like her body just like starts revolting against what's happening to her. Yeah. She jumps off the bed of the truck. And now suddenly, like the way she tells the story, I don't fault her for this, but it's just very like her memory of it. So yeah. it kind of happens in spurts. Suddenly she's at the front of the truck and she sees her mom. All of a sudden, I find myself looking at my mom. She can see me screaming and she never even looked at me. She looked straight ahead like she was dead to the world. 
And so Sandy is sitting there watching her own daughter like crying and screaming and begging for her life in the middle of the night. And this bitch does nothing. nothing. Sandy just stares at her. Yeah. Just looks at her. It's haunting. It's this out of a horror movie. It's, and Brandy says, if I ran, I knew they would kill me. And I did the only thing I could think to do, which was to open the door and just hold my mother and cry because he can't shoot both of us. And so she she says that she does just that. She gets into the front of the truck. She's holding her mother and crying. And I said, please don't let him hurt me. She, for like, it seemed like forever, but Probably about 10 seconds or 20 seconds. She's like, don't hurt my baby. When she said that, he put the gum down. But it works. Like, she uses her piece of shit mother as a human shield. It's so, like, just hearing these stories, how your brain and your body just react. Like, even if you personally are like, I don't know what to do, your brain and body are like, girl, I got this. Yeah. I think in a zillion years, I wouldn't think to do anything that Brandy did. I couldn't imagine doing anything that she did in that moment. I know. I just think I'd be screaming and crying and saying, like, this is it. All right, shoot me. Like, I I just, I can't imagine myself, like, (laughs) hopping over and, like, taking the split second decision to, like, use my piece of shit mother as a human shield shield and it works i know i know and all i can think is that like in her brain she's like i've got five younger siblings that if i die what's gonna happen to them you know oh god I know. brandy hero i know hero hero brandy and she says like before that i never would have thought my mom could have hurt anybody and she said after that i swore myself to secrecy because i didn't ever want to risk my life so we're back to june 26 2003 this is when lena confesses to albert and then right after that lena sort of like remember the she gets lawyered up by the mother she recants the statement and she kind of was trying to move on with her life lena was done being a child or a teen and time to grow up she was gonna settle down raise her kid she was doing really well for a few years she meets that guy jason she has her son coulter she's super in love with her son she wants to like turn the page be a grown-up and like sort of move on with her life and just to note, Lena is now 17. Yeah. She's like super committed to Coulter, her son, who was born in November of, tw- of 2003. And she's like, you know, Robin says she has more jobs that she could probably handle. Like she's all about, I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to be like probably the mom I never really had and just really focus on Coulter. And the thing about her having so many jobs was that her mom, her garbage mom, Sandy, is now babysitting Coulter all the time. And so just put a pin in that. We'll get back to it. So the, the lawyer, Richard, says, you know, it seemed like there was never going to be a criminal case in the murder of Gary. And so they decide to launch a civil case. So Gary's family files a civil suit against Sandy and Chris, naming Lena as an accessory, thinking that this would force Lena's hand. By reason of that, I thought uh, there was a good chance Lena would get immunity for her own actions in exchange for providing testimony against the people who were truly responsible. And that was the hope. They're just trying to make her kind of forcefully recant her recantation. <laughs> recant the recantment, girl. The double negative recant, whatever that is. To make her say like, yeah. no, 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 what I said the first time was totally, totally true. Right. And trying to make it legal so that her mom, like whatever. They're trying to really do right by Lena by naming her an accessory. Yeah. And so unfortunately, it has the exact opposite effect. Because <gasps> once the summonses are delivered, they're able to find Chris and Sandy, but they can't find Lena to give her the, the court summons and this is when they go to Sandy and they're like girl where's Lena and this is where Sandy tells the story that Lena ran off to Florida with some guy abandoning her son her clothes and her photo albums and like Brandy says I was hanging out with Lena at the time I knew who she was seeing and who she wasn't and there was no guy from Florida so we were just waiting to see if she came back 
Then after time had passed, there was no sign at all of Lena. Nothing. And then it's like, okay, now we have a problem. And then it's like, you know, Robin is putting, Robin, one of the sisters, is putting up all these missing posters for Lena all over town. And then Robin tells us, she's like, and then get this, over cocktail, she says. She's like, and then get this. I learn that her own mother is paying her youngest daughter, who we never meet, $5 a piece to take down the missing posters for Lena. First of all, that's expensive. Right. $5 per, because you know that Robin is like flooding the streets. Like, you know Robin has like 500 posters up for her missing sister who saw the murder, like all this stuff. And like, what do you think the younger kid thinks or knows or remembers? Like, how do you get somebody to do that? Because she's a bully. Sandy's a piece of shit and a bully and just, you know, she's like, look, we're deep in the vow, so now I'm like, I know exactly how this works, how people are manipulated. But the younger daughter, I mean, she's been, she probably has been wishing to be in like the right hand of the mom for like years. And so Sandy's totally using that. But the idea of like, who doesn't, who wants to take down the signs about their missing daughter? But then the other thing too is that we learned like that Sandy has a double motive for wanting to get rid of Lena. So number one, if Sandy rubs out Lena, sorry, we just finished Fear City. That's the only way I know how to say it. If she She is a mob boss in her own right. God. (laughs) If she rubs out Lena, then not only will Lena not be able to recant the recantment and like go up against her in court, Sandy will get her son. She's always wanted a boy. She had six girls. She wanted Coulter to be hers. And she had in her mind that she was Coulter's mom. My mom, she knew that if Lena was gone, she would finally get the rights to her son. She's been babysitting Coulter, and we learned that she's been telling Coulter to call her mom. It's so gross and weird. Just on paper. I'm sorry. I'm like rubbing my face. I can't get over this. The idea of like being a murderer and a bully and like a fake mob boss in the Ozarks and like manipulating your kids and paying them off to take down the missing post. Like all of this is so fucked up. But then to just I see her as like this like, oh, like my precious, like making your daughter who you murdered, uh-huh. making her son call you mom. Like, that is some fucked up. That is so bizarre and disgusting. I get, and as soon as Lena goes missing, Lena, the number two, the one the mom loved the most, Lena yes. goes missing because the mother killed her. Yes. The mother runs down to the courthouse and files abandonment charges. You guys, she is granted custody of Coulter. She gets the kid. Because Lena doesn't show up. Right. Because Sandy knew she wasn't going to show up because Sandy killed her. So then we get on screen text. July 2013, a judge heard the wrongful death lawsuit brought against Sandy and Chris Klemp for the murder of Gary. Lena's confession tape was not allowed as evidence. And apparently, like this is the civil trial, apparently Brandy takes Brandy takes the stand and she yeah. sings like a fucking canary. And I stood in court for two hours. You know, I'm like, listen, I can tell you every single thing that happened. Like my mom and Chris pulled a gun on me. That was a big step. I didn't think I would ever be able to go against my mom like I did, and I did, and I felt good about it because I think those family, family of Gary, um, it's important for them to have some sort of peace, and I think I thought I was the only person to give them that. So they're found liable, right? Sandy yeah. and Chris are found liable for the murder, but because it's a civil trial, there's only a financial judgment and like there's no jail time. You guys, right. Sandy is still out there. Sandy is out there among you. She could be yeah. listening to this very podcast. Hey, what do you have to say to Sandy if she's listening? Hey, Sandy, fuck you. <laughs> Come to New York and see how the mob really does it, girl. Don't. Fuck off. You're a murderer and a piece of shit. You're a bad parent. Um, and a bad parent to boot. To boot. 
Not a mother. Even I know that. You bitch. Um, so, but as we've learned in 800,000 podcasts, civil suits are great on paper, but they mean yeah. nothing financially. Because no. Sandy and Chris, of course, have zero money. Of course, they're never going to pay any of this. Like, no. And Brandy is saying to us, the last time I saw Coulter was when he was in kindergarten. I don't know how old he is now. But like, Sandy was keeping him home and homeschooling him because she didn't want him to go to school and find out that his fake mother murdered his real mother. How are we letting this happen? How? I hope that like, this episode maybe makes social services or like child protective services like a couple eyes on this like can we go like knock 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 on Sandy's door and the whole last 10 minutes of this is Robin and Brandy trying to find Lena's body like they you know the mom Sandy and Chris had access to two farms in the time after Lena died and they get access to both of them and there's like they go to one and Brandy is like looking for a well that used to be there that she's like I think that my mom filled it in before she left so maybe Lena's there and so then like Robin takes us to another site and she's like here's what's weird about this site is because the last time I was here my mom was like oh hey see that cluster of trees over there I uh buried my uh my dog over there Yeah, if you see disturbed earth it's because I buried the dog there and Robin's like that would be a cool story if you didn't tell me that you buried a dog in another piece of disturbed earth which is a phrase I've never heard before which is now terrifying (laughs) disturbed earth (laughs) is that what they call it yeah oh my god that's so scary how have we done 200 episodes of this podcast you've never heard the expression disturbed her you know now i'm gonna say it in every other episode like in the next 30 episodes i'm gonna be like you know what that reminds me of disturbed earth because i just learned it so now i want to use it um but robin's like that's weird to lie about where your dog was buried yeah. like something is up they do like ground penetrating radar sonar whatever yeah and, like and they find nothing they're never yeah. gonna find her like i don't know why you guys think that she went through the trouble of burning gary's body and scattering the ashes and she got away with it she did the same thing to lena you're never gonna find her i just feel like if you get away with murder by doing it one way don't you just do it the same way the second time she sucks like she i hate sandy sandy i I hope you are listening (laughs) she's like i mean she's the kind of broad that would like subscribe to true crime podcast she's like and i love broads but she's like the bad kind of broad (laughs) like broads are awesome but she sucks That was a really, I mean, that was a really sad episode. You know, take Coulter away from Sandy. Someday he's going to watch this episode. Like, that's the thing. Sandy's seen this episode. I'm sure she's fucking watched it. She's a narcissist. Like, this exists forever now. It's the most watched thing on Netflix. Right. You you can't hide him from everything forever unless she's truly that much of a monster where she's, like, even more fucked up than we could have imagined. You guys, we love you. Thanks for listening to our bananas (laughs) coverage of Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, my God, I love it so much. It's weirdly the highlight of my week. Is that crazy to say? (laughs) You guys, we love you so much. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for making this our job. Yeah, and we're we're halfway through this madness. A thrill to be here, truly. Oh my god, I'm I'm so excited. Thanks for hanging out with us and uh, dealing with us three times a week in your feed. At the very least, (laughs) at the very least, you have us three times a week. Well, we love you. (laughs) We love you. Thank you so much. This is the best thing ever. Bye. (laughs) Bye. 